Hi there, this is Glenn Dawson. And who is this beautiful lady here? Hi, I'm Linda Dawson, and you're listening to our podcast called Preparing Our Hearts for Worship. What's it about this week, Glenda? We're studying a song so many have loved on the radio over the years, and it's been sang so many times in our churches over time. You know, I've known so many men of God who have stepped out of the outdoors to get along with God and spend time with Him in the early hours of the day and in the garden describe such a scene as this. Glenn, let's recite the words of this song that have meant so much to so many. Okay. I've come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ears that the Son of God discloses. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever known. He speaks and the sound of his voice is as sweet as the birds hush their singing and the melody that he gave to me within my heart is ringing. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever known. And the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever known. In the garden, sometimes called by its first line, I Come to the Garden Alone, is a gospel song written by American songwriter Austin Miles, a former pharmacist who served as editor and manager at Hall Mac Publishers for 37 years. According to Miles' great-granddaughter, the song was written in a cold, dreary, and leaky basement in Pittman, New Jersey that didn't even have a window in it, let alone in view of a garden. The song was first published in 1912 and popularized during the Billy Sunday evangelistic campaigns of the early 20th century by two members of his staff, Homer Broadheaver and Virginia Asher. The song was recorded by numerous artists. He provided the story of the song's composition to one of his colleagues, George Senville. One day in March 1912, I was seated in a dark room where I kept my photography equipment and an organ. I drew my Bible toward me while I stared at the light blue wall. It opened at my favorite chapter, John 20. As the light faded, I seemed to be standing at the entrance of a garden, looking down a gently winding path, shaded by olive branches. A woman in white with her head bowed, hand clasping her throat as if to choke back her sobs walked down into the shadows. It was Mary, as she came to the tomb upon which she placed her hand, she bent over to look in and hurried away. John, in flowing robe, appeared, looked at the tomb. Then came Peter, who entered the tomb, followed slowly by John. As they departed, Mary reappeared, leaning her 
head upon her arm at the tomb. She wept. Turning herself, she saw Jesus standing. So did I. I knew it was he. She knelt before him with arms outstretched, and looking into his face cried, Rabbi! He then states, I awakened in full light, gripping the Bible, with muscles tense and nerves vibrating. Under the inspiration of this vision, I wrote as quickly as the words could be formed, the poem exactly as it had appeared. I think in the garden is popular at funerals because it offers a different kind of comfort than the kind provided to Mary Magdalene. To me, in the garden represents heaven, and in the first verse when we sing, I come to the garden alone, we are coming to God. We have fought the good fight, we have finished the race, we have kept the faith. It's a time for rest. It's a time for God to tell us we are in his own. I believe the hymn was written to comfort, and I do find it comforting that someday we'll be welcomed into paradise and have a personal conversation with God in the heavenly garden. I imagine a conversation where we tell him our story, our concerns, and where we fell short. He'll already know all this, of course, but he'll listen like an attentive father. I had the pleasure of hearing Dr. R.G. Lee preach as a young man. I remember my dad, granddad, and all of dad's brothers talking about what a preacher Dr. R.G. Lee was. Dr. Lee and his wife lived in their very old and very traveled car and went from place to place preaching. I heard him again years later in Texas at a church where I was a member. He was such an elegant preacher. They called him the Prince of Preachers, a, na a name well deserved. Dr. Lee told a story from an early railroad history about a father and a young boy. The father worked for a railroad as a bridge attendant. The railroad was over a waterway, and the bridge had to be raised and lowered as the boats came down the river so the trains could go across or the boats could go across. It was this man's job to raise and lower the bridge for the train crossing. The son had wanted to go see his father's workplace for years, and he asked his father repeated to let him go with him. Well, on his twelfth birthday, the father relented and allowed him to go. The boy was so excited when they got to work, he and the father went to the bridge control house, and his father showed him around and showed him how things worked. After a while, the boy got curious, and the young boy set, set out to explore the workings of the bridge. The father was working on some maintenance reports. After a while, he looks up, and way off in the distance, he sees a train coming. He runs through and checks, and he realizes that the bridge is, is up, so the boats can go through. He needs to get it down before the train plunges into the 
upright bridge. Where is my boy, he thinks. He looks around. The train is getting closer. He sees it's a passenger train. He looks outside, and there the boy is down in the workings of the bridge. The train's getting closer. He looks, and his son's in the gearworks. He screams at his son to get out, but the noise of the train makes it impossible for, hear, for him to hear the warning. The train is very close now. If he doesn't drop the bridge, the train will crash, killing many. The train is too close. He has to decide. His son are so many on the train. And at the last minute, he throws the lever and drops the bridge, grinding his son in the gears works. The bridge goes down. The train goes by. The people on the train are laughing, playing, having a gay old time, unaware of the supreme sacrifice the father has just made. Aren't we just like that? God sent his son Jesus to die a supreme sacrifice for us, and we just go on our way unaware and unconcerned, even uncaring. We have neglected so great a sacrifice as this. Yes, no wonder, Linda, we deserve hell's fire. If we fail to listen to that still, small voice, if we ignore so great a salvation, God has made a way at a great cost in suffering. If we reject his love for us by saying, my way is a better way, I'm just going to do what I want to do, or I'm too busy, or not right now, and then time moves on. There is never a right time. One day when we face Jesus, he'll say, I was never that important to you, was I? Right now might be the best time to make that decision. Isn't that right, Glenn? Oh, there's no better time than like right now. Stop what you're doing and consider what we're talking about. If you've never made the decision to give your life to Christ, do it right now. Right now is all you have for sure. You might ask, is that easy, Glenn? Yes and no. You got to mean it. Sing words has no power. It's the attitude of the heart that's important. You mean you need to be sorry? Yes, Linda. We need to have a contrite heart, the Bible says. We need to realize that we are lost because of our sin and be ready to turn from our sin. We all know sin is wrong. God has given us a conscience. He can fix us of our sin, and even though we try to hide it or justify it or cover it up before a holy, sinless God, we're damned by even one sin, no matter how small we think it is. Nobody is good then, right? That is right, Linda. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. We all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. Take time to put on the righteousness of Christ. Ask him to come into your heart. 
Let him take control of your life. Let's listen to Glenn as he plays In the Garden on the sax. It's sure been good to have you visit us again at our studio. We've really enjoyed you being here today. We hope you'll come back next week and share some time with us again. You can always find us by searching for Preparing Our Heart for Worship podcast on your favorite search engine. And if you're looking for just some music, look for The Music of Glenn Dawson. And there we are. We are part of the Glenn Dawson Evangelistic Association, and we're a 501c3 nonprofit organization located in Lexington, Kentucky. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. 
So like us on all of these, and it will help us out. We'll see you again real soon. God bless.